Hello everybody and welcome to the Kane and Rince podcast. It's volume 6, issue 254, all about Street Fighter 3. You can play along with us and volume 6, the entire schedule, well that is up to issue 300 at the end of 2017, can be found at on our website. Uh, but those looking to play along with us in the next few shows will include The Order, 1886. After that, it's Undertale. Following that, the rather longer The Legend of Zelda Skyward Sword. Then the very short and really quite cheap They Breathe. Uh, so if you fancy the idea of playing along with the show, that's uh, literally under an hour long and under a pound or, or your local lo- equivalent on Steam. So uh, try that out and see how you go. You might like it. And after that, it's the uh, rather more challenging Blast Core. Head to canerince.com for articles, features, reviews and links to our forum, Facebook page and YouTube channel, as we always say. And as we also always say, if you enjoy what we do, you can support us. And we are eternally grateful for uh, pledges we get to our Patreon, patreon.com slash Nothing hidden behind paywalls, just a virtual online tips jar or donation box. And everything we receive gets ploughed back into the making of the show in various ways. You can also buy merchandise uh, from shop.spreadshirt.co.uk slash t shirts and bags. We uh, just had a message in from one of our kind uh, generous patrons today saying that uh, he's been wearing his Cana Rince t-shirt in Chicago and on a number of occasions he's been approached by other listeners and saying hey you're a Cana Rince guy and that is absolutely amazing to hear so uh, thanks for that that's Luke Scrivens uh, please also remember we have another podcast increasing in popularity uh, we're feeling the love for sound of play subscribe to that separately review and rate uh, that and this on iTunes that really helps us out uh, because the iTunes charts are based not only on downloads but also on uh, reviews and ratings and things like that, engagement. Uh, and you can also get the show on uh, other platforms such as Pocket Cast, Stitcher, uh, TuneIn, and I believe there are more that I don't always name-check, but you'll know them. Now, on with... Uh, we're sort of doing three games in one. Uh, so, joining me, Leon Cox, in issue 254 are Kane Rinces, James Carter. Hello. It is Dan Benden of Hype Spotting and Versus Scotland. Hi there. Hello, Dan. Welcome back. It's been a year, I think, since we spoke about Street Fighter Alpha. Alpha. Zero. Yep, that's right. Yeah. Uh, so back for more. Love it. Thanks for Thank having you. me. Thank you. Thanks. Thank you for coming back. And finally, making up the panel, we have Gareth Gary Dutton Dutton of Midnight Resistance. Chat very good and making games is fun. Thank you for getting every single one of my monikers in there, Leon. That's that's very considerate. <laughs> I enjoy it. Uh, yeah. So uh, people loved you so much on Bloodborne. Uh, we had to get you back. Uh, so. Our series histories, uh, obviously we'll talk more about this as we go, but um, perhaps some early memories of playing Street Fighter 3 and then how much have you stayed with the lineage uh, throughout its uh, time? Dan, how about you? So Street Fighter 3, um, I was a big a big player of Street Fighter Alpha, as, as I might have gone on about uh, on my last appearance. Street Fighter 3 came to my mind because I was never a Dreamcast owner so it's only really ever really been an arcade game to me in in its sort of release time so Mm -hmm. I do remember the first time I found it on an arcade 
was in like a in a uh, bowling alley, I think. And I, I remember being a sh- at college or something. I don't know. I didn't even go to college near a bowling alley, so I don't know why I was there. And I, I found a machine and I saw that it was a Street Fighter game. And I was like, oh, this, this is Street Fighter 3. I've not really seen this before. And and then spent like hours there just playing this game by myself. It was in a bowling alley. I think it was during the day. There was no one there. Uh, and I just spent hours playing this game over and over again. And just remember it being a totally different type of game, you know, like a totally different look of it. It's it's so mm. It's got such a different style. I think Street Fighter Alpha has a style that looks like an animated-up Street Fighter 2, but Street yeah. Fighter 3 doesn't. It, it's a whole new thing. The animation, which I'm sure we'll get a lot of uh, chat in here, just had me uh, had me sort of hypnotised and, and, and the choosing your super arts and things like that and the fact that they were called super arts and me thinking, what on earth is a super art? And <laughs> even though it's yeah. not, it's just a super move. But, um, yeah, the <laughs> whole thing, I remember being quite really enchanted by it and then then hunting it down in arcades in London and watching people play and, and people who'd been to Trocadero will know that Street Fighter 3 was a big deal in Trocadero and, and, and watching people play and, and, and loving the idea of the game and the feel of the game, but never really being able to play it. I never really felt early on that I could ever play it well. Um, I'd always mm. pick a character I was familiar with from other games and totally. uh, want to try the other ones, like want to try and play as a Buki, but not really having the first clue as to what was going on there but uh yeah it's, it's certainly a an important game in my my fighting game life i think so uh gareth you came to it uh did you say you've been yeah so you've gone back to it from uh from four effectively to learn the systems and stuff in a sense yeah um i've always in terms of street fighter in general i've adored them since the start and I've always played them. I have memories of being about seven and playing Street Fighter Two Turbo in the, um, on a campsite in France that had like back when arcades, sort of mini arcades, popped up everywhere and were considered a thing, a normal thing. Um, I remember playing that uh, against people in 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 there, and um, I've all I've always played them. But it wasn't until Super Street Fighter Four that I sort of. Um, used to frequent the Something Awful forums at that time in the game section. And I came across this thread about it and then thought, oh, there was this whole kind of opening uh, thread uh, post on the basics and on the fundamentals. Mm-hmm. And the I went, fundamentals, and I went, yes. what? I, I just looked at it and thought, I didn't even... I've been playing this this series of games all my life. I mean, all the you know Alpha Two Turbo, uh, even the three D ones, the EX ones, all yeah. of you know all of them, and 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 all the tech games and Bushido Blade, just like a huge fighting game fan, and never realised that there was any kind of this underlying fundamentals thing which can be applied to yeah. many fighting games. And I just went, oh, and it felt like I started again from there, and and because of that when they re-released Third Strike for the PS3, they did like the HD with online play and all that sort of thing. I went, I attempted to go back to it and, and sort of apply these newfound, uh, like this whole secret world of a layer underneath the game that, that people don't know about unless you, unless you're told. Um, and went back to it then in that way and, and had a good a good stab at it and thought, this game is really hard when you actually have to play pe- other people. Um, oh, yeah. And, and, and kind of took it from there. So that's that's kind of my history with it. I kind of discovered it twice in a way. Um, 
Nice. Now, James, uh, you're a keen enthusiast, but by your own admission, uh, I mean, self-deprecation is, is the watchword where you're, you're concerned generally, James. But when it comes to Street Fighter, I've never seen somebody who's so passionate about something, but also so down on themselves about how actually good they are <laughs> in the game. But uh, uh, how does it, how does it uh, sit with you and, and three in that case, uh, given that uh, I think we're going to probably establish that three is often regarded, particularly Third Strike, as the most kind of inaccessible and yeah totally yeah yeah so some of you may have heard this one before uh between about 96 and 2006 i played pc games and almost nothing on consoles and pretty much nothing in arcades ever uh to be honest so um as you can imagine uh that means uh alpha series ex series and street fighter 3 um, amongst other Capcom series and the deluge of fighting games that came out around the same time as this one did kind of pass me by. Um, Street Fighter 2 was something I played on Super Nintendo, just ad infinitum. Um, I had a massive love for that, but again, was never good at it. It was just me playing arcade mode uh, and yeah. occasionally versus a friend or my brother who would just mash out buttons and <laughs> make, make an absolute uh, mockery of any vague skill i'd uh, uh, managed to gain so, <laughs> so street fighter 3 is a game i mean third strike mainly let's be honest that having come back to fighting games with street fighter 4 and and the recent kind of repopularization that followed that you can't help but hear some some players who've been around uh in the competitive fighting game scene for kind of 20 years talk about this game a lot of them who are slightly too young to have been competitively playing when street fighter 2 was out but three and particularly third strike um it it just mentioned in like hallowed whispers almost um (laughs) so like gary said when uh online edition came out in 2011 i think um Hmm. that that was something that i went back and kind of uh messed about with a bit and since i got a uh retro pie up and going i i put a couple of the arcade uh roms on there not having any way to play those you know quote unquote legally um just to see what the the original versions were like actually in yeah. the arcades and mm. uh yeah surprise surprise i'm absolutely atrocious at them but nonetheless <laughs> ho- hopefully i'll be able to show that i i can appreciate them for what they are even if i can't actually make anything more than a hash of playing them sure so i go back to the arcades as uh, as we spoke about a year ago in the Street Fighter Alpha and Zero games I was completely in love particularly with the second game in that series mm. uh, which came out in 1996 and the reason we're doing uh, Street Fighter 3 now in Kane and Rince is because it is 20 years uh, this coming month February since Street Fighter 3 the new generation hit the arcades and it's uh, it's important and also quite difficult to put yourself back in the time, but the anticipation for Street Fighter 3 was enormous. Like, we'd had uh, several versions of 2, obviously, over a three- or four-year period. Capcom, after only having made a couple of fighting games uh, when they got to 1991, were now, between 1994 and pretty much uh, the early 2000s, were were releasing sort of anything up to 20 fighting game SKUs a, 
uh, a year, uh, normally four or five different arcade games. So basically one a quarter uh, or more, a, a new one of one of their sub-series or a revision of a previous game. But the one that never arrived and the magazines, particularly the kind of more... Um, you know, the more enthusiast video game magazines of the time, like the uh, the computer and video games that it had become under Paul Davies' editorship, was obsessed with Street Fighter Three coming. As you know, they were mad on X Men: Children of the Atom, and they were mad on Night Warriors. They were mad on on Alpha. But Street Fighter Three, what was it going to be? You know, what what was it going to look like? How were they going to deal with it? And when it arrived. Uh, the new generation, I think it's fair to say it was a bit of a damp squib. Um, I remember the arcades of Brighton back in the mid-90s were generally rammed, um, particularly with uh, what felt like the entire Eastern Asian population of Brighton and Hove, maybe the surrounding areas, who would congregate around King of Fighters and uh, the Versus games and the Alpha games. And I got next and quarter up and all that and it was properly going off and I loved it. I watched mainly from afar. I played when the machines were quiet and didn't get involved in playing these guys who were like way out of my league. When I noticed that Street Fighter 3 was finally there one day, I think I knew it was coming because of magazine previews, there was no one on it. There was just nobody on it. There were still loads of people, lots of uh, Eastern Asian kids and local white kids um, playing on the other machines. Street Fighter 3 was empty. So I played it and I thought it looked, you know, I thought the animation was amazing. Um, and I thought, well, this this feels like Street Fighter, but it seems to have already been deserted, you know. And um, and I think as we'll we'll go down the series, that we I want to talk about each version, at least somewhat, to sort of understand you know, the changes they made and and what happened. But I think it's important to say that the general reception was was muted at the time. Since then, I bought the uh, the double impact package on the Dreamcast or W Impact as it was in Japan, which had the first two games in the series and played it at home a bit and got a little bit better. And then after that, it was a, a matter of getting Third Strike on Xbox, playing it online, getting beaten a lot. Uh, that came to backwards compatibility as well, though it was still a little glitchy in terms of sound and stuff, but I got to carry on playing it. And then, of course, as soon as uh, the Iron Galaxy version of Third Strike came out on 360 uh, and PS3 I bought that day one uh, and I've been playing it again uh, in the run up to the show it's not very easy to get an online game now but I did manage to get some and uh, it was of it was surprisingly accessible like I got beaten but not horrifically like I'm, I'm just about because my fundamentals are solid after a quarter of a century of playing these games I can just about hold my own but once the game gets stepped up into uh, higher levels of parrying and combos I tend to I tend to get found out but that's okay uh, so yeah uh, I'm I've been playing it on and off since since it came out 20 years ago I have a, uh, a mini side story to add in here, if if, cool. if I will. Um, I uh, I just I just had a memory then of um, being in Loading Bar back when it was in Central London, um, having been quite drunk and explained to uh, Ken Rince's own Josh Garrity um, mm. why Street Fighter games are so good. And uh, talking his ear off for about 25 minutes about, well, you know, he's got all these this extra layer that people don't even know about and, and generally boring him. And then he said, should we have a go on? Because uh, Alpha 3 was there. And I said, yeah, go on, let's have a go. And then and then Josh completely soundly beating me at the game. <laughs> <laughs> me uh, going, well, luck. there you go. 
Um, yeah, it just reminded yeah, me of that's... that little <laughs> side anecdote. <laughs> that's a bit of a choker. <laughs> so a bit of uh, the backstory. Developer and publisher, of course, Capcom producer Tomoshi Sadamoto. These credits run through the whole series. They didn't. Uh, the team didn't change much as far as I'm aware. Designed by Yasuhiro Seto, uh, Tomonori Omura, Obata Shinichiro, uh, and composers Hideki Okagawa and Yuki Iwai. Um, and we'll talk separately about the uh, extra tracks by Infinite that were added to Third Strike. So, yeah, the first version, the new generation, was a CPS uh, 3 Capcom revision of their arcade machine game. This was uh, um, ran at a mighty 384 by 224 pixels. Uh, <laughs> but it's on what a horizontal. Pixels, eh? What pixels? Well, mm. exactly. That's the thing. Every uh, pixel yeah. counts. Yeah. 32,000 odd colours on screen from a palette of millions, similar to the Super Nintendo, I guess, in that regard, um, but high res- resolution, obviously. Um, yeah, uh, we have our first piece of correspondence. Um, I just want to shout out to the King Rocker, who we're going to hear from, and uh, the other people who who chipped in, because uh, I put a shout out this morning. We'd had no feedback for Street Fighter 3. I understand it's quite a niche thing, and perhaps people aren't, you know, up to up up to date with it and whatever else. But our community so rarely lets us down in this regard. I put a shout out and we got a load of fantastic posts. So thank you one and all. Uh, but yes, from the King Rocker, who says, I've been playing Street Fighter since I was barely tall enough to hit the pressure sensitive pads on the original Street Fighter cabinet. Make no mistake, I am not great at the game. I play in local organised casual sessions and tournaments occasionally. But to be a tournament player, all you need to do is show up and pay the fee. To be a tournament winner is a whole other story. That story will probably never be mine, but I will always love the Street Fighter series. I've played every iteration of the game, and I remember I remember well the first time that I saw 3. I remember it well partly because it didn't say Street Fighter, it was just a big fat 3 on the marquee. I was at the Dragon's Den, a comic and hobby shop in Yonkers, New York. Their arcade machines were at the back, and I would go in to visit on my breaks from school, always rushing through the length of the store to see what new machines awaited me. I had trouble believing that I was seeing Street Fighter 3. It felt surreal that the most important game in my life had received a sequel after all that time, and it was right there in front of me. Alternating between being frozen with awe and shaking with excitement, I went back to the counter to ask for some quarters. When I popped my quarter in and heard those incredibly crisp yet thick sounds of quarter entry and character selection, I was so excited. I chose Ryu because he was my go-to back in the day and he was a familiar choice. When I saw those character models and those backgrounds, I didn't even want to play so much as I simply wanted to admire it. The animation blew me away. It still does. The backgrounds were so vibrant, so incredibly alive. I remember watching Ryu's gi ripple from the wind of throwing a hadouken and wanting to jump with joy because I'd never seen anything look so damned beautiful. I spent my few dollars on the game and then I was broke. I didn't have a job at the time and I had just borrowed the car from my grandparents to get out for a bit. I don't miss being broke all the time, but I do miss feeling like the only money I had to my name was well spent on playing Street Fighter. You grows up and you grows up. The love affair didn't last long with Street Fighter 3 though. That day I was able to explore so much of the arcade mode and enjoy its artwork because nobody was playing against me. When Street Fighter 2 was around there was always a lineup of quarters on the cab to represent the people waiting to play, but nobody challenged me. Nobody was even anywhere near the cabinet. It wasn't until I went down to Chinatown Fair, once New York City's premier spot, that I came to feel the same way as those who'd simply ignored the game. I stepped up to the cab, asked the guy if he was up for a match, popped my quarter in and promptly ended my relationship with three for a very long time. 
It was a tight match in the first round, and he then steamrolled me in the second. In the final round, I was within striking distance of a win, and so was he. I had him trapped in the corner, so I hit the super art. Ryu's Shinku Haruken. And the parried every single goddamn hit, following that up with a combo that KO'd me for somewhere in the neighbourhood of two to three years. <laughs> we'll hear more from the King Rocker later. Uh, fantastic to hear from the mean streets of Yonkers. That was um, a, a sm- really, really well-written, evocative little bit of uh, Street Fighter history there. That was lovely. I like I that. Know, I love our, yeah. I love our community. That's so really much. good. It's, so, um, it's worth yeah, saying, go, actually, that... Uh, I'd got so used to, and not really had much experience of the old arcade versions, but I got so used to console versions that um, I think we're probably okay to say emulating arcade games when there's no access to a cabinet would, would be all right. Um, yeah. But yeah, firing up a, an old ROM of the original Street Fighter III, um, it, it took me by surprise, and it shouldn't have, that arcade mode's all you get. There's no menu, there's no options, there's no... no, no you you press to enter your um, credit and then you go straight to character select and you yeah. play through the arcade tier if you haven't got someone to play against. Um, and it's just it, it's just a r- sharp reminder of that was an entire uh, type of video game that console gaming didn't steal from us, but, but it, by necessity, the games had to change um, in, in ways that I'd just completely forgotten, I guess. We're going to talk about the story in the scenario now because um, there was some correspondence on the forum about obviously in recent times, well, relatively recent times, Mortal Kombat 9, um, the reboot of that series uh, added all this uh, story stuff and Capcom have gone some way to sort of trying to emulate that in its very bizarre and uh, idiosyncratic way in Street Fighter V with the free add-on for that game. Um, and uh, and I did want to mention the sort of scenario behind this. Now, I, I, I am not overly familiar with the law. I've got to admit, and uh, this with apologies to those listeners who are you know very well versed in all this stuff, I still sometimes get some of the freaky characters within the Street Fighter 3 world muddled up because they're all so <laughs> weird and freaky and I've never got super familiar with a lot of them. So, so yeah. my bad. Um, but I do remember uh, that... This game did feel like... So this was a proper sequel to Street Fighter 2 rather than Alpha, which was a prequel, uh, the Zero series as it was. This was set after Ken and Ryu look older, but... I think maybe one of the things that Capcom... I think it was a, a damned if they did, damned if they didn't situation. My feeling was that they changed too much. They left Ryu and Ken in there, but in the first version of this game, everybody else was new, and a lot of them were weird and weirder than perhaps... You know, on the on the weirder end of of Blanca and Dalsim, <laughs> who were the kind of out out there characters in in two, yeah. who people had grown to adore, but here you had this whole new range of of uh, oddballs uh, and and some you know fairly down to earth characters as well. Um, so, what was going on and why is my question to the panel, uh, both in Capcom's minds and in the game? <laughs> well, here's an interesting. Can I just ask you a quick before we start talking about the story? I'd like to ask the sure. panel. Who the main character of Street Fighter Three is? Alex. Alex. Yeah, right. <laughs> and in that, in that, as that is obviously the correct answer, what is Alex's motivation in the game? Because surely mm. the motivation of the lead character is more or less the story of the game. I That's don't believe uh, any of you all know this. But go ahead. No, you've got me there. We were so confident <laughs> nice. with Alex, and then you've, you've shot us down. Something to do. 
be with Ken. his friend being. Oh, isn't he in competition with his friend? Gil. No, he's he's getting revenge on Gil for his friend being defeated <laughs> by Gil. But do you know his friend's name? It's really, it it's really plain. It's, it's like ridiculous. Yeah, Michael, I, I Bert, or Tom. I've forgotten it now. It's Tom. Yeah, Tom, right. there you go. <laughs> it's the most. Right. Apologies no, to just, all Toms <laughs> listening. <laughs> I'm looking through the list of names of the whole cast here, and they added one in called Tom. There's not a single normal <laughs> name in this whole list. Well, I guess that has oh, shades of... Sean. Sorry, Sean. Of, I forgot Sean's got a normal name, hasn't yeah. <laughs> that is That has shades of... Guile with Charlie, his friend who got yeah. defeated by Bison, I suppose. But mm. yeah, but at least he had a cool name, Charlie. I think that is that not Charles, like a is, is that not like a, a sort of East and West thing? So, since this is made in Japan, they'll think, well, what's a good English name yeah, or a probably. good Western name? And they're probably thinking yeah, Tom possibly, is pretty yeah. cool. <laughs> I'm sure. I assume it was a deliberate move. Obviously, there there was still, uh, you know, Ken and Ryu. Doing being your Shotokan uh, well, karate characters, but making the lead character more of a more of a grappler was was a change in itself, wasn't it? Oh, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Um, anecdotally, you guys might be able to correct me on this. The original intent was not even to have Ken and Ryu in there. Yeah. As far I've as heard I'm that. aware. Yeah, but they um, just couldn't. They couldn't bring themselves to not do that. Yeah. Um, so mm. I don't know if that's part of the kind of mainstream backlash that happened was that they just, as you say, Leon, maybe deviated too far. Um, although I think the fact that it was only available on consoles as Dreamcast versions and, you know, releases around the world were kind of a bit iffy and difficult to come by, especially in Europe. We've already had two anecdotal examples, me in England and the King Rocker in New York, yeah. of the first time they saw a Street Fighter Three cab in the wild, it was deserted. Mm. And... Yeah. Um, that's yeah, uh, and obviously we're going to go on to the legacy because in the end, the you know third strike they got it right uh, and uh, to an extent, and it had a and it had a good long life by fighting game standards after mm. that and still does. Uh, but yeah, it, I I think if they'd gone with a completely all new roster, um, that would have been a gamble to leave Ken and Ryu in was perhaps I don't know was it especially yeah. two characters that were originally essentially palette swaps of one another. That yeah, bizarre. The as differences well. had become more and more pronounced, and, of, of and course, that, absolutely. that extended and, and yeah, with yeah. with this version. But yeah, it it was just weird, and the the whole tone of the game, especially compared to the most recent versions, so Super Street Fighter Two Turbo, which mm. obviously had uh, Goki Akuma appearing, but it was still very very brightly coloured and full of stereotypes and cliches. And then you had the the Zero Alpha series, which was like you say anime. Street Fighter 3, I think, again, felt the need to be different and so it made everything just a lit... I mean, there's still plenty of humour in there and and silliness, but it like yeah. just the colour palette and everything is a little bit darker, isn't it? It's just everything's like feels grittier. Definitely, it's got yeah. a sort of jazz, hip-hop, R&B-influenced <laughs> soundtrack. Uh, it's less goofy, isn't it? It's kind of more... Yeah. feels like it's going somewhere tone-wise. It definitely is. This, this, the background art, I think, bears that out as well, especially compared to what we mentioned about the Alpha series. Mm. Um, but, yeah, having said that, then you're absolutely right, Leon. Uh, in the original uh, Street Fighter III, um, we're only talking Necro, really, but they really went out there beyond that with 12 and Q and... Yeah. Th- those feel almost like what we would call now anime fighter characters. Yeah, they, you know, they were totally 
totally yeah proto blaze blue blaze blue and yeah, yeah. um they 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 felt like as some people at the time unkindly said they were they dark stalkers rejects you know they were like characters <laughs> that hadn't made it into which had a you know that game had a following and and had a, a passionate fan base uh and so obviously they've been experimenting with wackier characters with less obvious obviously uh fighting moves i suppose if mm. you will i think um, um necro is particularly interesting in that series because he is basically del sim isn't he? Mm-hmm. Um, mm. And I think yeah, it's. it's it, I feel stretchy. like the whole roster is so interesting. It, it's, it's it's sort of almost willfully unwelcoming and weird. I think mm. this game, like if you if you treated the Street Fighter games as a as a as a lifetime, I think this is almost like the teenage period, Third Strike, because <laughs> they because they've gone yeah because they've just gone oh no screw you mum and dad I'm I'm sick of uh, I'm sick of the old yeah I know you like Blanker and you like mm, you like Dulcim is your favourite because he's all fun isn't he with his fun music and but no I'm, I'm into with this guy now Necro's like <laughs> he's like goth Dal Sim isn't he he's just all yeah. wobbly and white yeah. and weird and even his taunt is kind of is is kind of a a taunt to the to the player i think it's all like this he pulls his jaw down really sort of stretchy and long and does this like bleh, 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 yeah. his tongue comes out and it's like ah <laughs> uh, you know screw you this is this is how it is now there's some definite weirdness and freakiness some of the some of the sort of end stage stuff as well people you know crying over <laughs> over people having been defeated and stuff like that but not in a cartoon dan crying his eyes out yes tragic yeah but it does have that yeah. teenage sort of emo cool feel to the whole thing doesn't it like same with the dark drum and bass and it's got the you know and and and, and all that kind of style and, and remy as well the, the french character mm. is really sort of moody and he has his hair over his eyes and that's <laughs> that's instead of guile who's got his hair you think about it yeah. guile has his hair completely up, up toothbrush like hair, an 80s guy and he's yeah. all 80s and positive isn't he and his music's all cheesy and he's top gun as 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 you like and then his <laughs> totally. replacement is this guy in kind of uh, like baggy pants and 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 long hair, like who looks so, all upset with things. Are we? Go- yeah. Are we? Are we going to go very Kane Rince on uh, and this on this and say that we're we're suggesting that Street Fighter Three was suffering with premillennial angst? Yeah, I think so. <laughs> Excellent. Good. That's another box ticked. I mean, the other weird thing about that is they went out there with the character designs, but then as we say, you know, Remy is essentially and on the Street Fighter wiki is listed as this is the Guile slash. Charlie Nash replacement because mm. he's a charge character with what essentially look like sonic booms as his projectile, yeah. and then you've got um, you know Necro as as a Dalsim cipher, and I guess Hugo eventually when he comes into the fray as as your Zangief, and mm. you know there's a certain uh, aesthetic imagination and, and and theme and difference going on, but actually when it comes back to the mechanics. Some some of the characters feel a little bit sort of well. We'll just put this character in here as our X replacement. Yeah, mm. I think it's worth noting as well. Like we're talking about maybe Ken and Ryu not being in there originally, and how putting them in, even though they were clones of each other, they're not clones of each other in Street Fighter Three by any stretch. Yeah. But they are physical clones of one another, almost exactly still in um, yeah. Street Fighter Three. They're they're animation frames at least for say things like their idle stance and, and walking animations are mm. the same and yeah one other person is identical as well and that's sean who was put mm. in to be the new i believe mm. ken 
he's Ken's like uh, student, isn't he? Um, so it seems like they maybe had had Sean in there as the new Ryu and Ken, and then they realised he was pretty lame, and people wanted Ryu and Ken. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah. The, the way he looks, his outfit, and the way he moves, and a couple of his moves um, are straight out of the Shoto playbook. He obviously yeah. doesn't play exactly the same, but and and I guess to that extent, uh, Makoto as well when she comes into the fray. Yeah, she she's a, again another twist on the play style, but. Did we also therefore need both Ken Andrew and eventually Akuma yeah. as well? You know, yeah, they brought a lot of there was, a, but but then but that's when the game really got big in tournament when they had five or however many it was Shoto characters. Yeah. So uh, I guess it worked in that regard. Just briefly back onto the the sort of plot stuff. I, I don't suggest yep. that we go into the the story and the scenario. There is one. It involves the Illuminati, uh, but <laughs> that's but, it. Actually, that's the whole story. Yeah. So Give the Illuminati. The, uh. Yeah. Given the um, the fact that most people played this at the arcades, it always sorts of sort of amazes me that people kind of find out and know all this stuff anyway. Because the arcade machine doesn't have like a plot on it, and it doesn't like the intro sequence for the new generation is just some concept art essentially, sort of flashing across the screen, and uh, that's that's they return to that in a grander way in Third Strike after a, after a slight um, semi departure in uh, Second Impact. Um, but you wouldn't know any of this story stuff. Uh, like, there's a few exchanges of words before certain key battles and things like that. Uh, but otherwise, there's there's there would be no understanding this plot unless you'd probably bought the I'm guessing accompanying manga or something like there's, that. There's but, a comic book series that covers a lot of it. I, I know a, yeah. my one story fact about Street Fighter Three, which is actually I think quite an interesting story fact, is that Oro, who who looks like an old man, right? Um, <laughs> has uh, has his arm bound, one of his arms bound almost in all yeah, of his combat, this right? Is brilliant. The reason yeah. he has his arm bound is because he's so strong, he's so good at fighting that if he didn't do that, he would kill everyone. Like kill everyone, like actually kill them. That's it. He doesn't want to kill people, so he binds his arm. So the actual story uh, gets to the point of Ryu and Ke- uh, sorry, Ryu and Oro fighting, and Oro beats Ryu but has to use his other arm to do it, so then uh, right. claims Ryu as uh, one of the greatest fighters of all time. <laughs> On the story, the King Rocker returns and says, I feel that Street Fighter is better off without a story, uh, the sort uh, without the sort of story seen in Mortal Kombat or Guilty Gear, for me, the stories in Street Fighter 2 were perfect. They ranged from goofy to mildly serious, but they all felt just right for the characters. I felt like the story of each character was visible in the visual design and I've never needed much else. Anybody who strolled up to the machine would know immediately what they were getting with Zanjef for Ryu, uh, and I think that accounted for a lot of its success. The Cossack dance and the warrior walking away reinforced what we already sensed in selecting these characters. For better or worse, they were goofy, accessible stereotypes, and it worked. And yes, it should be said that uh, obviously you still have the end sequences for beating arcade mode, which uh, you know some people still like to do. Uh, I have uh, recently been, when playing the 360 version, um, you get uh, these vault points for doing various uh, challenges in the game and uh, or just uh, going through various milestones and you can use those to unlock uh, loads and loads of concept art but also you can unlock the character's endings without having to play it through because there's, I can't remember what the roster is in Third Strike but it's it's 20 odd isn't it I think. So, 21 I want to say they ended up with. 
Yeah, with including Guild 21, I think. Yeah. But I always thought it was weird with Street Fighter games. Now, I know in Street Fighter 4 they started giving you these uh, sort of barely animated uh, animes showing you the start of the story, but Street Fighter 2 just had the endings. So yeah. it was always it always like assumed that you knew what was going on up to that point. <laughs> and Street Fighter 3 is the same, only more confusing because the characters are all weird and the story is moved on because it's set after Street Fighter 2. So you get to the end. Uh, on the on the rare occasion that you had enough money with you to beat Gil or you've got the patience to keep pumping the uh, start again button um, and then you get this kind of this set of art you know some great Capcom art as you'd expect but telling this completely impenetrable story I think um, I think it adds to the argument about Street Fighter 3 having the, the cool factor as one of its central kind of themes in that they're going well there is an there is a anime out there to go and read yeah. but you yeah. have to go and find it. and if you know it then then cool then you're one of the cool kids who's actually bothered to find all the underground information and and they're almost rewarded in the um the sort of the um uh special intros that you have with certain characters who react mm. to each other in certain yes. ways um and then if you know what that is then you go ah oh, reference yeah. i get that you know and it's it's it all kind of plays into that doesn't I've, it i've always loved things like that in in fighting games the that little bit but i mean the obvious one here is Ryu and ken have a sort of fist bump thing yeah. going yeah. on um whereas back in alpha i believe the uh ken like grabs ryu and ruffles his <laughs> gives hair him a right? yeah yeah it gives um, him a yeah. Yeah, yeah but, but like this one. one it seems like a, a face-off that hasn't happened for a long time and they're back and yes. and they they do this fist bump and and yeah. actually street fighter 4 um reused that in their intro animation there's a very mm. fancy version of it but it's exactly the same fist bump because i know because totally. i might have edited the two pieces of video over the top of each other <laughs> yeah. it's um it's it also play it also plays into the difference in tone of those two games doesn't it exactly so nugging yes. him and that's like a serious man man fist bump totally we should also really definitely mention the hugo and alex uh special intro at this point what, we, what happens with those two um well they both because uh I know that Andy Hamilton was listening to this, and if and if this wasn't mentioned, he would have he would scream and throw himself out the window. Um, if yeah. you, <laughs> when Alex and Hugo fight face off, um, there's a special intro where they square up to each other chest to chest, and Alex is looking up at uh, um, Hugo, and Hugo's looking down at him, and then Hugo gives him like a little belly bounce, um, and that's a direct <laughs> reference to WrestleMania three with yeah. uh, Hulk Hogan versus Hogan. Andre yeah. the Giant because um, Alex is meant to be inspired by. Hulk Hogan. That's why he rips his shirt off at the start of his, mm-hmm. uh, his in, in his intro. And Hugo is based on the mm. Andre character from Final Fight, and Andre yes. is obviously and- a direct reference to Andre the Giant. So. Absolutely. So yeah, they, they Alex... recreate the start of their Hogan and. Andrew Jones match in WrestleMania uh, three. I, so I would never have got that not being a wrestling guy. But uh, <laughs> hopefully, what I do know about wrestling is that hopefully Alex is less of a massive racist than uh, yeah. Hulk Hogan. <laughs> I've already given my amazing story fact, but there is the most amazing fact about a sound effect in Street Fighter three in the Third Strike that you will ever hear. Nice. Now, I'll give some reference to this. I, I, I've, a, while, a few years ago, I, I did some writing for Guinness, and part of that was to do with world records, and part of it was to do with amazing facts that were interesting about yeah. games, and it was all about fighting games. And this is one that didn't get in 
because I think it's too Ooh. amazing. I don't know. I'm not. I wasn't the editor. I was just too right. amazing for Guinness. Let's hear it. There <laughs> is a point it. in, in uh, Street Fighter Three Third Strike where the announcer will occasionally say "Let's go." I think he says it when, if I remember rightly, yeah. your your uh, super art meter is full. Yes, you hear him say "Let's go." Yeah, that song, that "Let's Go" is sampled from the Batman '60s Batman TV show. And what? it's part of a phrase <laughs> to the Batmobile, let's go. Google nice. it, Google it, and you will find that. And it is awesome. Uh, how good is that? Why could I did not how know many that. voices and things did they have to record to make yeah. third strike? And then they just couldn't be bothered to record the words let's go and stole it from <laughs> well, it's Batman. It's weird because it fits I just in. Liked it. The tone of it yeah. fits in. It sounds like yeah. the announcer or whatever. Yeah, I'd never thought about it not being the announcer. It's got a slightly this... robotic effect on it, but it is definitely the guy yeah. saying, or I guess it's Batman probably saying to the Batmobile, let's go. Adam West. Yeah. So Adam West is in Street Fighter 3. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, let's talk about. I know we're all uh, chomping at the bit to talk about the trousers. Let's talk about the animation. <laughs> so every character uh, in this game has between seven hundred and one thousand two hundred individually drawn frames of animation. I think Eleanor has the most with her mm. capoeira style. That makes sense because she's kind of always on the move, isn't she? Yeah. Uh, but yes, uh, famously, and I still see there's various sort of uh, Twitter feeds and, and stuff devoted to, you know, a love, a passion for sprite art. If you have a passion for sprite art and animation, uh, this is an absolute uh, go to game. Now, in my personal opinion, I don't like the backdrops in the Street Fighter 3 series as much as I like the ones in other Capcom fighting games. They're lacking in animation and personality for me. I'm not saying they're all really dull, but they're overall as a set, I don't think there's quite the level of imagination and and colour, but the character animation is still 20 years on, off the hook, wonderful. Yeah. Do you think perhaps that the quality of the character animation it's in this game makes the backgrounds in this game unfairly look a bit dull. Maybe. I think that's they an do. interesting idea. I don't think they Maybe. really suit the characters. Mm. Like it looks like a painting mm. in the background of a I could fine. I could go completely yeah. off the off the scale on this one and and, and go and uh offer it's a, a, passion a wildly show. different viewpoint. Ooh, okay. And uh, suggest that yeah. it's uh, it's on purpose in a kind of a, 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 a kickback against those kind of super highly detailed backgrounds, and it's they're almost and here we go, here's where people go, <laughs> but um, they're almost kind of like impressionist style. They are there's, a bit. I feel like there's a, there's <laughs> yeah. a deliberate kickback because they could have the, the fact that in the previous two iterations of this game they were very highly detailed. That you know, kind of it kind of looks like. They kind of remind me of like Monkey Island, which sounds a bit weird in terms of the amount of stuff that's in the background and going on. That kind of pixel art, you know, just let's put as many things in as possible, which has yeah, its and charm, also but a bit pre-drawn and and scanned sort of looking, <laughs> rather than rather than straight pixel art in places. And well, like yeah. some of the elements, like the crush of the car, looks like it's been ray traced or something odd mm. like that. Yeah. Whereas in Third it's, Strike, I think they've gone for the the feel. Of of what mm. the stage wants to be, and that, maybe I'm completely giving it too much credit, but I think I, I think you might be right there. In that I said it, may, I think that the animation of the characters makes the backgrounds look less uh, impressive. But you, I, I could easily be convinced that that was done on purpose around. to yeah, pull. Yeah. It was to pull because of the technicalities of the game. The, the mm. you couldn't afford ever to have 
sprites muddied by the background so to have them stand out quite so well might improve mm. gameplay we were uh, in street fighter 4 classically there was a the volcano stage that had to be skipped in tournaments because it was so messy yeah. and red and horrible that it actually put players off for their their reading of the game so maybe yeah. this was a mm. sort of on purpose type thing who knows well this is it's been interesting hasn't it because famously the uh, the training stage became the most used for a long time and then some tournaments started to ban that basically because it was dull uh, but obviously <laughs> it does it does allow for uh, easy sizing of uh, you know is literally graph paper so yeah. so it's perfect yeah. in some ways but then for those of us who adore Capcom's arts it's a real it's a real shame like part for me part of the whole street fighter the world warrior thing has always been about traveling to locations and fighting yeah. in those locations and seeing what happens when the characters hit the floor and sometimes they'll land in a puddle or sometimes they'll land in mm. some dust or they'll knock over a can all that stuff like i totally understand that's by the by but then i say this as somebody who plays football games you know sport the foot the english soccer uh <laughs> quite quite to quite a serious degree i consider all that stuff really important in those as well like as as much as I'm, you know, all about the gameplay in those games to an extent, I think the presentation to me, the audio and the visual side is is massively important. So I think the backgrounds for me in Street Fighter 3, and they do change, they, they get uh, revised throughout the series um, somewhat. Uh, they, look at, they look a little like SNK games of the time. And I guess this was a weird period because Capcom were only just a couple of years away from starting to use, and now this looks really weird when you play it today, Marvel vs. Capcom 2, uh, you've still got the same mid-90s uh, anime sprites like Zero and Darkstalkers, but in front of these polygon backgrounds which look which looks odder and odder as time goes on i think um the, the last thing i would say on the the backdrops is i as you know leon uh i, I was well and dan as well um I, I was very fond of the uh alpha backdrops um yeah and an alpha the alpha series was another one where they changed the backdrops from version to version instead of just adding more stages as would happen now they actually redid the art in many ways and they did that here um through the three games um, but there are a couple of them, like the New York Alley uh, backdrop mm. that's Alex's original stage, yeah. that have this kind of like 80s dystopia, destroyed graffitied uh, city look to them that, that in, immediately brought to mind for me that kind of um, Final Fight, Streets of Rage look to yeah. a city. You know, that sort of, um, I guess, cyberpunk, like verging on cyberpunk dystopia type thing. Um, and... For some reason, I'm not. I can't put my finger on why that that made the title of the game make sense more. It's like Street Fighter. It always seemed quite odd that yes, they're World Warriors in theory, therefore Street Fighters, but they're fighting on fields in Japan. Whereas <laughs> to me, Street Fighter is you know two people who would otherwise be boxers yeah, or yeah. whatever just getting into it on the streets. And there were some streets, but kind of, yeah. yeah. But for some reason that the backdrops in this game made it seem more like it was actually a street fight. Not that all of the backdrops were that, but yeah. for some reason it felt like you were more just in the back alley outside a club in yeah. New York or whatever, you know, I thought they did that well. At the risk of getting too philosophical about the title, <laughs> I always <laughs> felt that the uh, the idea was the uh, the proverbial street was where they fought. So wherever the two fighters met was where the yes. battleground yeah. lay. <laughs> so be it a field in Japan yeah. or the top of a pagoda or whatever. <laughs> yeah. 
another couple of elements on the graphics before we move on. One is that uh, the uh, the other thing that the backdrops are missing for me, uh, well, they are literally missing it. Uh, that is the uh, the multi layer parallax scrolling underfoot that had yeah. been. Uh, such a feature of Street Fighter 2, famously so. The backdrops are parallax, there's two or three layers, but but it doesn't quite have that same level of 3D depth. And again, we can speculate as to whether that was a technical consideration or whether, again, it was to actually make the game more it's kind of work on, on, its, on its deeper, more technical level because... Yeah. You didn't have to think about that, but I, but I wouldn't know. The other thing is that this is the first game in the series. Uh, SNK had done this before, I'm pretty sure, but it has sprite uh, zooming as well, you know, uh, expansion. So there are moments when if you perform certain moves, uh, it, uh, it zooms in and uh, everything goes a little blockier, but I still think it's a really cool effect. And in fact, mm. in the first game, I can't remember if it was also in Second Impact, uh, they, there was an effect which was removed for Third Strike, which is where when you perform a super art, it kind of takes you into an alternate dimension. All right, yeah. a kind of blue backdrop, mm-hmm. uh, like you're in a some sort of, yeah, like science fiction cave or something. It's, it, it, it was very odd. It was one of the f- most striking things when I first played it. It sort of bursts that, onto that the screen, doesn't it? It sort of rips through the mm. screen and then you do your, your thing. It was more night again, more night warriorsy than than mm. than anything. Um, but yeah, they they took that out. I guess that wasn't a popular a popular addition. Uh, so mechanics and features obviously was a is a key part of the change. Now uh, I think it's fair to say that if you dive straight into if you get hold of that most recent release of Third Strike on. Uh, 360 or PSN, I think you'll find that if you've been playing 5 or 4 that the fundamentals still feel really quite similar. Uh, the the jumping and the connections and all that sort of thing, but it definitely does have its own feel. But some of the stuff that uh, you might not have realised arrived in terms of the Street Fighter series with Street Fighter 3 uh, were elements that had been featured elsewhere in the Versus series and the Alpha series and so on. So we had dash and, uh, dash and retreat, so double tapping forward and back to quickly gain space. Uh, quick stand from fall, that was new to this one. Obviously, it's become all these things have become fairly much fundamentals now of the yeah. series. Uh, leap attacks, which is a, before you could only, if you'd committed to a jump, you were fully committed to a jump, but here you could do a smaller. Uh, air block was out again. Uh, before we move on to the mighty parry, is anything to be said on the on these core changes? Well, no, there's not. Is there? This is this is the point, isn't it? So, <laughs> I wanted to say other right. things that aren't really part of. I guess they're not part of the first game. Um, they they yeah. come later, don't they? There's a couple other extras, but yeah, the, the leap attacks and quick stand dash retreat. That doesn't seem like a thing that's not in all Street Fighter games, does it? <laughs> They're all things, right? <laughs> you do all it's those weird things. when you go back to because I still play Hyper sometimes and Super Street Fighter Two Turbo HD Remix, and those are the things that you miss now: uh, the quick stand and the and yeah. the and the dash forward. Dashing and dash back, is I think. is just why fighting games I, they're not faster. I mean, some of even some of the Street Fighter Two games were faster games, but I ten think, stars. Yeah, <laughs> I think dash and retreat mechanics is what makes the game fast like the combat fast whereas if you just move fast and jump fast and kick fast that just makes the game hard whereas Mm. this makes it 
yeah, specifically yeah. adds to the mobility of the characters. Yeah, it'll be and interesting it makes it to look see good with... as well, right? Because mm. Street Fighter yeah. 2 fights yeah. don't really, I hate to say this, they don't really look good, right? They don't really look all that cool. So it's strike, hard to go back. And, I think uh, it'll be interesting. Uh, there, there was uh, it was uh, Justin Wong reporting from his hands on with Ultra uh, Street Fighter 2 recently yes. on the Switch, uh, which I think is a wonderful thing, by the way. I'm really happy to see that. Yeah. And, because and, of and it makes a lot of Ken. sense. That's why I'm excited. Partly because of Violent Ken. Ken. He's the best. <laughs> <laughs> Portable Street Fighter with two controllers attached yeah. and uh, and all, all that all the all, yeah all that good stuff. But um, it would be interesting to see if if it does have if it can recapture any uh, you know any ground in in, in the serious scene um, or whether it's simply just another revision of a game that is now well, twenty six years old. Uh, but we're not here to talk about Ultra Ultra Two, but <laughs> I, but it, it is relevant in that as you say, so much of fighting games are to do with spacing and spacing and pacing and the pacing of spacing <laughs> me to say. Uh, that without without the dash forward and back and obviously with uh, with some games particularly the the arc system works air dashing and stuff like that yeah, is yeah. Um, it's a it's a it's a big thing to to go back to not having but uh, but then on the flip side some of our listeners who listen to all our shows but aren't necessarily uh, super versed in fighting games um maybe miss the days when there were fewer things to think about because if you remember at the time an eight-way joystick and six buttons was a lot to think about back in 1991 (laughs) Uh, it really was and when you factored in motion controls and charge moves as well it really was it really was a bit mind-boggling because we'd, we'd come from a world where a lot of games were we, we just did a we just recorded a contra show you know eight eight way and a fire button eight way joystick mm. and a fire button and a jump button that that seemed like that okay this is at a level that we can just about cope with now a, a fast moving game with two buttons nope here you go six buttons <laughs> and every character's different apart from Ryu and Ken and and so on and every I think every generation of fighting game, not just Capcom, not just Street Fighter. These are the ones we've covered on the podcast because it's just the, the ones we can perhaps say the most about. I think has alienated some people as well as bringing some people further into it. Yeah, I think it led to the mystery as well, right? I mean, I don't know. I know some of you said you, you, you picked up these games in in, in uh, not on arcades, but do you remember the mystery thing? Like the, there was a whole, no one wrote anything down, have the internet. Yeah. Like how how do you do for instance like Chung Lee's fireball changes input yeah. on literally every game. Every other game. Yeah. yeah. So yeah. and people would say but the problem is like a half circle forward will sometimes trigger a move that's a, a charge back forward move. And I remember being told all sorts of things standing by arcades by other kids that like, oh this is how you do this move and this move. And yeah. the yeah. the six buttons and eight way joystick, like you said, is enough iterations of everything to lead to misinformation and i think that's part of what really people really love the discovery part of fighting games i certainly did. totally that was what what we're going to do some more combat on kane and rinse later this year and that that was so much what that was about more than the technical side of the game um certainly but i still have friends who if i said 
who are kind of, you know, gaming people, because most people are these days to some degree or another. But if I put on Street Fighter, they would still just use two buttons. You know, they would use the heavy yeah. punch and heavy kick because anything more than that. you use anything later? You want to do the most damage, yeah. Absolutely. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. When and ironically, obviously, the mediums about. are your best bet there. But well, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. They're, 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 that's the first step to learning, I think. It's, um, I think it's indicative of that, that whole thing is indicative of where these games were born which is in arcades and the fact that you you have this kind of air of mystery because the best the the most exciting way to play them and the way they came from is that arcade culture where you'll sit with people like maybe with one friend and with people you don't know in the arcade and people who know more than you and they go oh you have to do this to do that move and then you you know it it, it happened all the way up to when there was still a bit of a scene around Ultra Street Fighter 4 around, around London when, when you could still if you went on a forum and worked out when everyone was going you could go down to the one or two places where they were you could still play it and you'd get beaten for half an hour and then the guy who's beating you would say ah, never try and do that when I'm doing this because that move always beats that and actually yeah. the best bet is to with your character with with your character you, you want to harry my character because you're faster or whatever and you go oh thanks man. and then you pick bits up like that and it had that community around it um and I think that is the 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 root of this sort of game in general is the, the arcade fighting game is, is yeah. it comes from that and that's why they're they're built that way I think I think that's yeah that that's I'd have to have to agree with that and I wonder if so you have that kind of um, organic dissemination of information and also of misinformation as well like Dan you were mentioning and I think what <coughs> maybe makes up for the fact that jumping into uh, a fighting game now, a modern fighting game now, like Dash Retreat, Quick Stand, there are all these things that weren't there for people who were learning back in 1991 uh, with Street Fighter 2. Uh, but what makes up for it is that the information is readily available. If it's a home console release, you've got move lists there. You've got a tutorial. You've got you know challenges and stuff that will take you through some basic um, skills and abilities that you're going to want to be able to practice and pick up. Um, and you've got the internet, so you can get loads and loads of tutorials and stuff on YouTube or whatever. Um, and maybe that makes up for the fact that coming into a fighting game now, even, you know, vanilla Street Fighter 4 or, you know, Street Fighter 5 when it came out, is a lot more complex than Street Fighter 2 was originally, um, is that you have access to pretty definitive information from the off. Yeah. It's, um, Doesn't it's tiring any easier. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's interesting that it's yeah you you can get more information more readily online um but i think it, it's telling that i well i mean speaking personally here but I, I, i'm confident that many would agree with me that the most fun you can have with a game like this is playing locally with people yeah. you know or just with people you just even with strangers but that that kind of there's, nice there's so much more fun good. nice strangers yeah, yeah. yeah. um yeah, no, I, I, mean, I guess i mean specifically in terms of uh like yeah gaining fundamentals and stuff in terms of matchups and as you say particular things you just don't want to be doing uh, uh you know when someone's super meters full or whatever yeah 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 mm. i think i think that's that's my sort of fighting game when fighting games were on consoles uh so the sort of resurgence is when i developed any real i don't know uh, like practice skill rather than um yeah. just having fun with them and i never really got very good but i spent all my time partly because of the the versus scotland hype spotting people i spend all my time playing fighting games against people who are vastly better than me and i still 
love it because of the that like you say the person saying at the end of the match no don't do that or i've had people take us out of a game and say right you keep doing this thing we're going to go in training now and i'm going to force you to stop that habit hmm. because they yeah. know yeah. and they know that they need to force me out of it because i can't stop doing the stupid thing that i keep doing yep. right but yeah. they because they're obsessed like way more obsessed than me whereas i care about story <laughs> and why someone's got their arm bandaged up and stupid stuff like that they're obsessed yeah. with forcing me to learn not to jump into this thing or, or not to do this or not to follow this with this and tell me what to do instead and then you do yeah. learn and then you do you do get better and I think that's the fine thing. So any win I get in that group of people yeah. is feels great because yeah. uh you know like someone teaching me to parry, I'm like, I can't parry. I, I just don't really as, as that's what we're on about now. I can't do it right. I shouldn't do it. I can parry a fireball from like <laughs> maybe full length of the screen, maybe eighty <laughs> percent of the time, right? That's that's my parry thing. And if anything, it's, I can use it as a sort of surprise tactic because I haven't done it for the whole yes, round. Yes, and then I carry one good, fireball, and then they're like, oh, Jesus, he knows how to do that. I didn't realize. Yeah, I was keeping that yeah. secret. Like I was sharking <laughs> them or something. Sharking, when yeah, when, yeah, when totally. I totally wasn't, I just got the... You've got the it's courage up to give it a shot because yeah. I always like I always like think don't block you're gonna parry you're gonna parry this and then I just go up oh, block I oh, blocked it. <laughs> yeah. Well, this brings us beautifully onto the subject of of the parry. Uh, it must be discussed. Uh, I want to uh, share something first from uh, our very own Kane and Rince's Mikhail Croder, uh, who's not on this podcast but certainly uh, loves his fighting games and uh, and this saves me trying to word this. So, uh, next to EX specials, which expand the variety of meter usage and adds a layer of decision-making slash resource management, the parry is, of course, the most game-changing central mechanic in the Street Fighter 3 games and as air-blocking and actually, to a lesser extent, alpha counters did to the Zero Alpha games, it flips traditional Street Fighter 2 dynamics right on its head. Where air blocking enabled safe jump-ins when closing the distance with a projectile-throwing opponent, parries nullify traditional projectile uh, zoning with relative ease and can completely shut down the long-distance game. Due to timing, parrying a projectile is of course much easier than parrying in-your-face normals, let alone mix-ups. At low-level play, this is in fact their only safe use, as even though the act of parrying is low execution, press forward or down, it requires getting good reads on opponents and a higher level of mind games. If you play to win, you actually should only attempt parrying short distance offence if you've been playing the game and the same people for a long time already and can accurately predict your opponent's next move in order to force frame advantage and turn the tide of the match. It's safe to say that the parry as a central defining mechanic was replaced in Street Fighter 4 by the focus attack which had a greater variety of tactical uses but had not nearly as dramatic an effect on the core match dynamics established in Street Fighter 2. Being used most commonly as a meter-consuming combo extender, dash cancels, or a limited escape option. So, gentlemen, parrying. We've uh, we've already mentioned that our execution may not be the best, <laughs> but how do we feel about it on the whole? I um, when we went to the uh, when they re- as we were saying when we released the PlayStation Three HD version of Third Strike, they had a set of uh, challenges you could do. They do, yes. And one of them is to recreate the Evo moment of yeah. Daigo parrying Justin Wong. <laughs> and I think I've done th- the first three once, and I got so excited, and I went, "Oh no, no!" I thought I'm going to do all of it, and that, and that was, and that was after about half an hour of <laughs> of, of attempting it. Um, <laughs> so I think what I was going to say about the parry is it it um, I keep going into the wider 
sense of street fighter which is which probably be a bit more general but i, w- I was just going to say that um people always say that street fighter games are like a game of chess but i think they're more like a game of poker mm-hmm. because the best players and parry sort of indicates this the best players know uh, in their head have in their heads the possible outcomes and the probabilities and the sort of the safest or the or the best option to go with at any one time and parry is a bit of a an all in it's like throwing down and saying i think i've got a flush here and i think i can and 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 weighing out the risks and going if this pulls off i've i've got a big win so it's kind of the poker player who takes a risk and and wins big so um that's that's yeah. kind of what i think about about the parry uh, skill ceiling aside <laughs> yeah they also have in um in online edition uh training mode um and and one of the training modes is basic parrying yes. uh, which i think there's five tiers of um the first tier is parry a fireball yes fair enough next tier is i think parry an ex fireball so you've got to obviously get the timing and and know what you're doing there and then i think the third one was uh parry a three hit um ken's three hit shoryuken um mm. so like with a couple of tries i could get the first two no matter how hard i tried <laughs> for about half an hour getting those three hits i was like oh i got the first one and then as you said gary it was just like too excited and just whacked the stick <laughs> to the side and hoped it would work because i i've said this before i don't have good sense of timing it makes me horrible at fighting games and rhythm action games etc um but it also means it takes me an awfully long time to build muscle memory and then when you start to take into account right i'm having to build muscle memory for all these different characters and for multiple different multi-hit moves for each character it's just way beyond what i'm going to be doing so pretty much as dan says if i happen to be the other end of the screen they've thrown out a fireball or a projectile and are not following it in to kind of um gain gain screen advantage then yeah i might parry but probably i'm gonna block because it's easier well i said in the, in the zero alpha show a year ago that i'm not even that competent with uh, zero counters um and i'm still at the stage where as i say i still feel like i'm just improving ever so slightly at third strike uh and the uh basketball mini game that <laughs> teaches you how to parry i can yeah. now get beyond the first row of uh, of basket now i i imagine it's an absolute doddle for for many players to just do all that in one go like crush the car is an absolute piece of cake obviously you just hammer whichever buttons you want until the car explodes and i suspect it's just as easy for good players to clear the uh, the parry parry the basketballs but for me it's um like if i get halfway if i was to get halfway there that would be an achievement for me um so for me uh i occasionally end up doing a cool parry in the middle of a fight that i perhaps didn't mean to do but it looks awesome and then and i and i use it to my advantage when i can um but i would agree that uh with with a lot of people that it's perhaps the even though i i I wouldn't say the window of execution is minuscule for a parry is it it's not like um, you know it's not it's not one sixtieth or anything like that it's not it's there are worse it, there are worse things in, in yes. other street fighter games than parry timing for sure absolutely but it's still challenging enough uh at the speed of the game and and the the very you know the various heights and things you've got to think about as well there's there's so much to think about the parrying thing is parrying a move isn't difficult parrying the second hit of a move <laughs> is yeah. is is uh yeah. much more difficult and the third again 
much more difficult. And there's that word that I've entirely forgotten. Exponentially. That's the word where I was going to say, mm-hmm. you know where a graph goes like, yeah. it, it does get exponentially better because unless it's something like, um, let's say, um, I think probably Rose uh, was mentioned earlier in, in one of the anecdotes, um, Ryu's super viable where all of the hits come at consistent Evenly spaced. Evenly yeah, spaced. Yeah. So what you're doing, if you can get two of them, you can probably get all of them because you yeah. just keep that timing up. But keep anything going. where there's a difference in the, the timing of it, not a chance. Yeah. If anything, I think they put they put that challenge in there to help people realise just how much of an achievement that whole that full parry was mm. at the time. Um, yeah. and, and why people went quite so crazy about it. It kind of gives you a little bit of it. It's almost yeah. just like a little history lesson. Just let me sit you down, young man, and I'll explain to you why that was so great. Um, <laughs> yeah. We'll talk a little bit yeah. more about uh, about Evo Moment 37 towards the end of the show, but uh, the King Rocker returns again, who says uh, a slightly different take on the parry. He says, the parry, man, the parry. I understand that there is a beautiful risk versus reward system at play. I recognise that it favours the most experienced, fast-thinking strategists. I appreciate that it puts the player in an advantageous position that is well-deserved. However, none of this stops me from fundamentally disagreeing with the notion that incoming attacks can be entirely negated. It feels like adding the option to slap your opponent's hand out of the way while playing rock-paper-scissors. It broke the core RPS approach to Street Fighter and I hated it. Seeing all 13, or somewhere around there, of my Super's hits completely nullified was miserable and heartbreaking. It felt unfair enough to me that I simply quit the game I had been so eager to love. Granted, attending school outside New York, which was already a pretty limited scene beyond Chinatown, I didn't see much support for fighting games anyway. Arcades were already on the decline. I always had to seek fighting games out myself. So when I said I didn't want to play three, there was nobody around and no arcade to make me reconsider, unless you count the Dreamcast. So, yeah, the the parry, despite maybe being one of the elements of Street Fighter 3 that initially put people off, Capcom stuck with it through each iteration. And duly, so it came to pass, later in 1997, in the autumn, Capcom, uh, as is their way, released Street Fighter 3 Second Impact hyphen Giant Attack. <laughs> why does uh, it necessary... say Giant Attack? It's the worst, I don't, the worst I don't name for know. a game ever. I don't know what it means. Uh, the storyline, maybe it relates to the storyline. Uh, I read that the storyline in Second Impact is considered a retcon which overwrites the events of Street Fighter 3 New Generation. A third World Warrior tournament is held throughout the globe, but new faces appear as it has been years since the second one. Uh, though many fight with their own motives and ends, word has spread urban rumours of an elusive secret society since the fall of Shadowloo, and some seek to investigate its legitimacy, to which all evidence points to the third World Warrior tournament. So this time they kind of they've gone some way to bringing the tournament more back into. That's the same story. The same thing that happened in Alpha and Alpha 2 was that they retconned right. the story, which is hilarious <laughs> yeah. that they bothered to do that in both cases. Yeah. Like, I think that story was terrible in Alpha. This Alpha <laughs> 2 story, though, admittedly, Alpha 2 probably has the best story of all of them. But but in this as well, like the no story, they had to retcon no story for yeah. some <laughs> tiny amount of story that doesn't make sense. What was that about? I, um, I always... I, for fear of between this and my bloodborne appearance of fear of be, becoming the uh the the mad enthuser I, I do need to kick back and give it to third strike and the other street fighter games a bit in saying that 
the story I, I've always thought was just like a really smoking pile of garbage throughout <laughs> in terms yeah. of any of it, any of it at all. And what's interesting I, is... I can see that. Well, in, what's interesting is I think they do better in what I think they do, which is a stroke of genius, is in the actual gameplay where they they marry... Uh, there's, there's countless examples of this, but they marry the character and the nature of... Of, of the the fighter themselves with their move set and mm. and how they move and what they do, yeah, yeah there's more which there, I think there. is actually absolute genius. But the actual plot around it is just <laughs> such like hot air, and it's just so. Oh, is that what happened? Really, is it? And I've never <laughs> cared about the story in pretty much any fighting game, to be honest. But yeah, no, but no. but what they do there is brilliant. I mean. In 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 the very latest one, the fact that Ken is reckless and and crazy and always moves about rushing down and and taking massive risks, and Ryu is this kind of stoic, make the one or two hits count, slow moving guy, shows their difference in character. And and when you fight them with them, it's like it's purely in uh, in sync with that admittedly terrible law. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I know we were talking about earlier about the face off animations of specific characters, but the non non pairing specific animations also tell you f- tons about the character if you're willing to look at it. Like, mm. Ryu walks on and puts his sort of military stuffs acting, right, and he puts that yeah. down, and then he gets ready to fight. And you're Stays like, oh, on the stage. he's a travelling fighter who travels the world to mm. find the greatest fighters. That's told there. Abuki's a young girl who's got a pal with her or something, hasn't she? And there's there's a, just a few little things that you're like, oh, okay, I, I kind of get Vignettes. that, right? Yes, yeah. you will. that little yeah. bit, the, the story isn't told during yeah. the little talking bits even it's told just in yeah. just in the game and you have to and make that is, it up and that is such a skill actually you just see the character like if you think of makoto in the in third strike and the way she comes on immediately you know i before reading anything about her or knowing anything you can see like she's this kind of passionate serious fighter and she's she's all about what she does you know she's just from just how she walks on the screen and that's like barely a second of animation and you know everything about them and that is that is a real skill actually they do do i think an incredibly good job of with just very little character in terms of character moments they get across what the character is about exactly as you guys are saying Um, Mm. and and they have to because it's a fighting game you're there to fight you're not there to discover you know some great conspiracy or whatever I, i think the only kind of weird thing about it and it's through all of the games really is they refer to them as world warrior tournaments, and yet if you're hosting a tur- a fighting tournament, you get all the fighters to come to one place. Sure, <laughs> that's the way to do that, but it doesn't fit with the. I mean, Ryu's the central character, goes around the world fighting. Why does he just bump into Alex on a New York street and fight him there when clearly that was the next match that he was supposed to take? You've watched, you've watched the Street Fighter Two anime, right? That sort of they. They, yeah, they, they're supposed to be on their way there, aren't they? On stuff. Like, yes, that's also, right. I think you might be putting the emphasis wrong. It's the World Warrior Tournament, not the World Warrior Tournament. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. You have your mind blown there. <laughs> I just made that up. I, I think that comes <laughs> back to, to the fact that overtures towards story, and certainly in terms of Shadowloo falling, and then you know, in Street Fighter Four, Sin kind of uh, having splintered and still being relevant. And then after that, now, you know, through Street Fighter Five and into into 3, the the Illuminati coming to rise and the, the two brothers fighting. It's all just like, 
this is bare bones. Like it's it's ridiculous stuff because you want to have an excuse for people to punch one another in the face, which in essence is an action film, to be honest, isn't it? Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. What's interesting is the themes in there are quite evocative. So rivalry and and things like that are very actually quite strong, quite strong yeah. themes in there, and people <clears throat> facing off, and and they're quite. Um, I think they're presented quite emotively. The the little things within are, are, are very nice, but it's just it's just basically the whole law, which is just a, a a big hot mess, and there's just a secret organization on top of another secret organization on yeah. top of a yeah. a turtle, you know, on the with a flat globe on its back, you know. It's that kind of definitely. So, second impact giant attack also brought uh, Hugo, as we mentioned, uh, Andre. Uh, with some much needed levity, perhaps, in his characterization and backdrop. Is that uh, why it's then called giant attack? Because it's got a giant man in it. Maybe. Maybe. I mean, the, the, he's the, the sort he's of the poster artwork, boy, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Is is his kind of shadow behind Alex? So yeah. Yeah. It's certainly yeah, maybe might be that. Uh, Urien also arrives, uh, Gil's brother, yeah. I think, yeah. Uh, yeah. and also Akuma, Goki, and the Shin version, uh, if you can get to him. Uh, so there's a few mechanical changes, as always, of course. So this one brings in EX specials, which uh, we've already seen in the Darkstalkers or Vampire series of games, uh, which is where you hit more than one button on a normal uh, special move like a Hadouken and you get extra hits out of it uh there are also some power up uh i think that's supers is it so it's like the the charge the, there's a super arts certain super arts that you can kind of hold and charge and then release in a big uh a big ball of fiery death like uh dungeon uh, uh, ryan's got his dungeon fireball does yeah. that is you you can hold them for a second Surprisingly, this is uh the one that added throw escapes into the mix which yeah. again is now a absolutely bog standard i don't know if this was the first game at all to have those but it was the first core street fighter i think um personal actions or character specific taunts uh two buttons for those uh and this brought back uh, by fan request i understand uh the idea of the bonus round having not had any wall smashing or car crushing for some years uh this brought in the parrying basketballs uh, only crush the car would return in third strike. Before we get on to third strike, let's hear from another correspondent. This is Alex Maskill, who's uh, a fine gentleman who also contributes to our blog from time to time. So check that out. He recently reviewed Telltale's Batman season one. Anyway, he says on Street Fighter, Street Fighter 3 for me is a weird game, obscure, having mystifyingly never arrived on the PS2 in PAL region, unfashionable, having arrived in that brief period where Namco's fighters were far more in vogue, alienating, having eschewed most of the previous popular characters from the two and alpha lines and replaced them with an unfamiliar gaggle of weirdos and above all else intimidating, being as it was unapologetically a technical fighting game. It's a shame I had to go so long without ever playing it because there is a lot to like. Most of all, the parry mechanic is a marvel. More so than similar just-defended systems, it empowers a riskier, more aggressive style of play by insisting upon a completely different button than conventional blocking, giving defensive options to an advancing player while demanding a higher level of technical excellence to back up the bluster. It's the best of all design features. It's a tiny thing which nonetheless makes entirely new methods of player expression viable without being objectively better or worse. 
The new characters themselves are an interesting and inconsistent bunch. It's hard to think of more charismatic Street Fighter contestants than Dudley, Elena or Makoto, or more boring ones than Remy. Maybe Abel? Uh, and it is Abel, by the way. I know everyone says Abel. <laughs> the game says Abel. And also, it, that was in the press release for that game as well. It said, yeah. that's how you pronounce that. Abel. You, you tried to save Andy from jumping out of a window earlier, Gary, but he's just gone after that <laughs> <laughs> That's him now. Uh, either way all are fun to use complementing one another exceptionally well without feeling like repeats of one another my impressions of this game will always be affected by only becoming available to me after having played much richer fighting games in particular Arc System Works French Bread and Netherrealm all investing in involving story modes finally made the genre much closer to what I always wanted it to be where the interesting characters are good for more than just throwing at one another to fight but I have enjoyed my time with it even if I do find it worryingly easy to put down and again I do want to stress that there that perspective does exist for everybody who's an esports fanatic who only cares about the verses and the one-on-one there are those of us who love playing these games uh, sometimes solo sometimes against the cpu sometimes to see kind of how things pan out and uh and and i guess that's why uh i guess that's why the the backlash to the first release of street fighter 5 was strong in some respects with the remember the story mode in particular yeah, yeah. I think no, it's interesting up, yeah. because um, Guilty Gear Exard, uh, <laughs> which is is a, it's a very very complicated fighting game. It's it's got like yes. six different ways to yeah parry, and it's it, it is it's almost ludicrously compl- complex over a Street Fighter series. You know, it is for people who are just masochistically serious about fighting games, and at the same yeah. time. There is a mode in that where you can sit and watch. You just press a button and you sit and watch hours of really, really well-made anime mm. on the story of the game, and it, and there's hours, there's, just, there's hours of anime based around it, and um, and it's interesting that it has both of those things. As you say, people do, even if they are really into the technical side of thing, things, they still care a lot about the the story. So yeah, it is. Yeah. It is definitely a major concern for a lot of people. The praise that Mortal Kombat 9 got, a game that I didn't particularly enjoy, even the single player, but the praise that it got for taking that side of the game seriously and presenting players with essentially a 5-10 to hour campaign, depending upon your ability. At the end of the day, it's still just... It's still just another form of training. It's just an entertaining framework to hang the training Absolutely. around. Like, uh, like mm. again, back to the, the the football game analogy. I I enjoy playing the training modes in those games because I can get a lot out of them, both in terms of fun and you know technical improvements. But I'm still going to play the career mode and stuff because that's where the stories happen. You know, so yeah, yeah. So Street Fighter Three Third Strike arrived. Uh, it arrived in 1999 May. So this was a good uh, good year and a half after the previous uh, version. Uh, there were three arcade board revisions of Third Strike. I imagine that the version that we play on uh, 360 and PSN is based on the last one. Plus, it has uh, accessible dip switches, so you can kind of tweak and change every glitch and every bug as you want. Anyway, because Iron Galaxy are very good like that. Hmm. Uh, so. So one thing I think we should talk about the presentation about 
we should well let's let's do the name first some it's generally referred to as third strike because that's the thing that appears biggest on the logo and because it differentiates it but i believe the official name is street fighter 3 third strike colon fight for the future yeah uh, that's certainly yeah. how capcom writes it anyway but uh, but third strike or 3S for most most fighting game folks. It almost, um, I mean, Giant Attack is a stupid name, but <laughs> we've already figured out what it means. Fight for the future doesn't mean anything, does it? Is it for I the kids? It, There's uh, a kid in it, isn't there? A kid gets rescued by Chung Lee or something. change again? Is that, yeah, is that... Is that Chung Lee came that? and there was a kidnapped child or something. So right. the, maybe it means the sure. future of the human race, not just, it's not about time travel. Yeah, yeah, I mean, that that's the story of the game is trying to overcome the Illuminati and their nefarious plans to control humanity, etc. But wait a it, minute, it just seems kind of overdone to me. I mean, Street Fighter 3, new generation, and then Second Impact, Third Strike. That's got a nice, okay, this is the second yeah. iteration. This one's a third. Why do we need the sub subtitle on that? <laughs> It doesn't appear on it's every on every matter, box. But, yeah. I notice uh, it's it's there sometimes. It's it is not always. there on the online edition, as far as I know, on the cover art for that. No, right. Okay. So what? Um, I pick everyone's brains. What characters have? It may have been in a, a Street Fighter game beyond that. Have um, like a, they call them wreckers, where it's like three sets of hits, and the last one's always called Third Strike. Uh, like hmm. like Fei Longs, you mean? Yes. Well, Fei Long the, Apple uh, has a similar thing, doesn't he? Of the but in the move list, they have characters where the, the last last hit's called yeah. Third Strike, and I can't remember now whether that think, was in Third Strike or whether it was. Yeah, kind I don't of think it is. I think they might. Have, yeah, I think it came from because I can't think of anyone with records in picked that up after that. Yeah, in this. Yeah, yeah, maybe it was a, like yeah, like a, a kind of a, a a legacy reference to that. I wondered whether there was any any kind of mechanical mechanic link to the title or not, but. Um, I don't think there well, is actually. Karen's a character that's built around that, so technically she would have been around before Third Strike. I don't know if she had something discernible. Well, as well, Fei Long was always yeah, Fei Long was the, the original yeah from yeah, way back in Super, yeah. but yeah, I don't think maybe they started calling it Third Strike it after Third Strike. I know what you mean. I get what you're saying. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, sorry. I don't know. A bit <laughs> quite technical point there, but yes. No, no worries. <laughs> Um, yeah, so one of the key changes in terms of presentation and one of the things I know that our McKeel, who we heard from earlier, loves about it as a hip-hop fan and a fighting game fan is that they uh, roped in a Canadian rapper, artist called Infinite, uh, who was part of a collective called Ghetto Concept to provide three tunes uh, and they are still heavily featured in recent re-releases of the game. Um, it's not my sort of cup of tea music wise but I think it works well enough and I think it adds uh, a much needed bit of personality to the Street Fighter 3 mix it gives it something which properly um, makes it distinct from previous Street Fighters whereas the music that was used in the intros for previous versions of Street Fighter 3 was uh, you know I thought by Capcom's intro standards fairly humdrum whereas here you've mm. got something which has got right the, you know it feels bombastic it feels passionate it the lyrics are celebrating the scene and the joy of playing the game and kind of setting the tone and the mood and and yeah i can i can appreciate it even though it's not personally my bag how about you chaps i, I think i would recommend while i agree with all that i don't read the lyrics 
because they're not <laughs> very good. I no, mean, they no, sound I would cool, agree with that. but they are <laughs> yeah. nonsense. I think they fit that very broad, that very uh, generously populated category of video game music that is fantastic in context, but that you wouldn't mm. go and listen to anywhere else unless you Capcom were playing are the really game. good at that. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you wouldn't fire those up and be like, I'm just going to, you know, like, blow up my Spotify and get the old... Actually, I have done that. But yeah. <laughs> in theory... Actually, <laughs> you, I, I you wouldn't do that. I CDs for all of the Street Fighter stuff. <laughs> what, what I love is that they made, they made music for the character select screen that is mm. about selecting a character, which is hilarious and amazing at the same yeah. time. I'd like to quote totally. that if you'd let me... Please. Oh, please do, please do. And do it like um, so beat good. poetry, please. Uh, yeah, yeah. Sure. I, I think it does work better as poetry. Earlier on in the, in the lyrics of the song, there's um, no one can stop this with guns or objects, which is <laughs> kind of weird. But on the character select bit that you're referring to, I love it. Select and make your first pick, 10, 9, 8, 7, 6. Choose mm-hmm. and pick the best one, 5, 4, 3, 2, 1, which sounds like mm. a five song from uh, the band five <laughs> to me. Or steps. <laughs> yes. Yeah, rhyming one with one, uh, uh, not Oh, not no, two. actually, I, but I think you'll find that when it's written out, it's choose and pick the best one, the word one, and then five, four, three, two, one, the numeral one. rhyming one with one. Yeah, okay. Pick and six don't rhyme either, actually. <laughs> not really. More what I like about that is they've clearly been given the directive of this music is going to be for when you're choosing your character and the time's running out, and they've gone right. Like, got it, no problem. Give me, <laughs> give me eight minutes, <laughs> <laughs> and it's just that bit four times for over. It. Oh yes, <laughs> yeah. Uh, so I guess what year did uh, Evo, the Evolution Championship series of fighting games? What year did that start? Early two thousands. Um, that sounds Late like 90s? a fact I would have written in this Guinness Book of Records. Yeah, you probably would have done. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 2002, uh, I believe. So, yeah, so a couple of years into Evo, I guess uh, Third Strike would have been, uh, having finally, I guess, found its market, uh, having perhaps done a bit better, perhaps it grew a bit through Second Impact and, and then with Third Strike, uh, I think there was, I, anecdotally, I, I, I feel like people were saying it was the best balance, the most interesting roster, the most variety, best presentation so on and so forth so yeah by evo 2004 uh and uh obviously uh youtube there was the first year of youtube 2004 as well so perhaps that's why mm-hmm. this particular video as well as it being an amazing moment uh daigo versus justin wong uh ken and chun Li, known as moment number 37 the beast is unleashed now this is a moment of video game footage I've shown to people who are non-gamers just to illustrate the passion of the gaming scene. Now, I think it's virtually impossible to understand for somebody who's never played a fighting game or certain, possibly even just not even played Street Fighter 3 Third Strike what's going on it's hard to it's funny I was having a conversation on Slack with with our own Carl Moon earlier about Smash Brothers. Now, some people, including him, absolutely cannot see any merit to that being in fighting game tournaments at all. And I say, well, I think it's like anything. If you know how to play Smash Brothers, you know what they're doing and it's infinitely easier to un- to appreciate the level of skill and concentration and practice that's gone into it. So having attempted to play Street Fighter 3 badly for 20 years, every time I watch this, I'm still in awe. <laughs> so, Dan, could you take us through... Evo moment number 37. Yeah, the only reason, I, I know this sounds odd, 
I just want to prefix this with a thing I did once. Um, That's fine. I, I had a. I was asked to give a talk along with some other people at a, a presentation in Glasgow to some students and and uh, other people in the games industry, and the, the talk was generally about community in video games. Um, and we talked about different things like you know lots of kids playing Minecraft together and building a huge world. And in contrast to that was me showing this video because I think the greatest part about this video is the the reaction of totally, the crowd. Yeah. And I think it's the reaction of the crowd in the video. And I'd urge anyone who's listening to this and hasn't seen the video to go do that first. But yeah. you can tell what he did is amazing because <laughs> yeah. a room full of people who's dedicated their lives to playing this game entirely lose their minds at watching yeah. someone do this right so to, to give it a uh, there's a match it's, it's not a final it's not even uh i think it's the final uh game of a of a, a round but it's a, it's um a part of a tournament um justin wong is known at this point in time in his life um at the point time this took place sorry as being the bad guy really i'd spoken to justin wong about this at, gr- at great length and he knew he was the bad guy that was his job was to be the bad guy the heel yes you can yeah. see that in the video <laughs> he is blocking and and retreating and, and as we call it in the in the biz turtling which turtling? is uh, yes yeah. so just basically keeping away it gets to the point where he and, and justin wong is playing as chung lee and uh he is building meter he's he's you can you can hear this there's a noise you can hear all the time of Chung Lee doing a I think it's a forward heavy punch which is like a palm press thing she makes a particular yell when she does that and he's building he's building his meter up to so he's got four meter to take down this to, to, to take down his opponent now what happens is he does that they sort of itch back and forth a little bit and 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 he he fires off his super move uh and Daigo parries every part of that move it's interesting at that point, just before it starts, if you pause it and look, Daigo doesn't have any health left. He doesn't have enough health to block the move. Yeah. He doesn't have enough health to miss. So in that point, what he did is not particularly brave because he didn't have a choice. He either parried that entire thing and then won the match or he was dead. So it's not like it was brave. He just did it because he he had to, and that's because he's a great player and he, he knew instinctively that's what he had to do. Uh, he parries every single hit, which is not, as we spoke earlier about, an evenly spaced number of hits with equal timing. In fact, he parries, he jumps and air parries one of the, I think it's the final hit of it. Um, and then what you'll see he does, he returns with not just the super of his own, but a lead into a super. He has to do several moves before his super. And if you watch at that point, Justin Wong's health, he only just kills him. The very last hit of his counterattack is what kills him. So not only did he have to parry it, he had to parry every part of it. And he had to, probably that was the only counterattack combo that would have worked to kill to kill him with his counterattack. There's so many things in that. And you'll hear it in the crowd. The beginning of the parry is like, oh, actually there's something just before that is someone shouting a sort of a phrase that gets shouted all the time at fighting game tournaments now. And you hear someone shout, let's go Justin, which is someone (laughs) encouraging him to actually do something. Um, That happens. The parry happens. The counterattack happens. And in every stage of that, you hear the crowd 
will lose their minds. They, they roar and they roar and then they yeah. go crazy at the end. And anticipation yeah. builds and, all the way through. And I showed <laughs> yeah. this to a cinema. This, the talk I was talking about was in a cinema full of people. Oh, awesome. And so I was sitting in front of a cinema screen with this playing behind me and I didn't have to watch it because <laughs> I obviously I know, <laughs> I know what's happening. And I'm explaining to people now, you need to watch this. And I showed it to them once and then we, we talked about it and then I showed it to them again and everyone there could see it. It's so obvious. You're saying it's hard to explain. I didn't really need to explain. You can right. tell, you can tell that's in that's crazy. It, I had to explain that to a lot of people, and you can tell what he did was great because everyone went crazy. And if you just point yeah, out those sure. two things, I think that yeah. it's the he had to do it. He did it, and he did every part of it with to perfection, and that's why it was perfect. I'm not going to say it's not that hard to fully parry that super. I don't think it is. It's too hard for me. Plenty of people can do that. Um, mm. But he did it. Doing it in training mode is not doing it after a long mm. match when you didn't have a choice, when you haven't been practicing it. You, you, He did it on reaction and continued to do even more uh, to win the match. And uh, I remember someone asking Justin Wong, actually, because it was at a tournament he was at, we were talking to him about it. And he said... Uh, to Justin, so after you that happened, you you changed your um you changed your 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 style of play to stop that happening. Uh, you changed your style of play with that super. Was it specifically because of that moment? And he said, yeah. If you watch matches after that, Justin Wong does a uh, so that that super he does is uh, back forward back forward I believe um, motion with Chun Li yeah. and then kick. You can do because of the way third strike works. Back forward punch, back forward kick, which will do a fireball, followed by like it, it and then you get the super freeze, and then she'll do the yeah, super as well. Super, yeah. yeah, so you're basically doing the move, but putting an extra fireball in there. And the way that yeah. fireball moves at a different speed to the way Chung Lee moves, the fireball and the first kick hit very close to one another. So it makes the parrying of that move. Mm-hmm. Even much, harder, much, yeah, tougher. And, and it changed the player. Like literally, the, that happened, and he's like, "Well, that can't happen again." And then Justin Wong changed how he played yeah. games, like played that that character and that move. And it just <laughs> just goes to show that it, it was such a beating that that it changed yeah. one of the best players in the world. I find it fascinating that massive moments in a game like that can actually change changes whole uh, strategies to a game, which can then go on to give birth to mechanics and you know eventually kind of down the line so it's like you know an ironically evo and not ironically fittingly an evolution of 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 that sort of fighting game where you know if you think back to street fighter 2 and and that's you know the combo system coming into being and the kara cancels and all that sort of thing which exploits that people found that the then then the devs then kept Mm as sort of high level things for people to use and and it's almost like big moments like that then influence how those games are made oh, and shaped 100%. going forward which is kind of like really cool and not something you see in a lot of other no no games. games don't just evolve because of the development they evolve because of the players i think because there's no other game that people play in the way they yeah. play fighting games and Yoshinori Ono has said that himself. He's, I remember him being quoted as saying, like, you know, we make these characters and, and, and we let them out there and then actually the people shape the characters and, and, and that's where the, the, we give the game to them and then they 
decide where it goes. You mm. know, and why, I think that's part of the huge risk as well, right, of fighting game releases, because you get a game and it's not balanced. Mm. You've taken that risk to let the players, yeah. you know, like make what they will of the characters, and occasionally what that hap- what that does is make a game that's not very well balanced, and and people yeah. hate that. But you can't really know. You can't really test a, a fighting game as much as players will test it because it's just impossible. It would yes. take an infinite amount of time. Moving right along, uh, we should uh, just quickly mention a couple of other tweaks that they made to Third Strike. Um, there's a, a red parry, which I don't think I was even aware <laughs> of until I researched this uh, podcast. Uh, you get graded for your fights, which is something that's carried over into more recent games, and Crush the Car came back. What's the red parry quickly? It's like a perfect parry, right? Is that okay? Don't worry about it. It's um, <laughs> what's the just? It's like the just frame That's thing, it, just frame. isn't it? Yeah, it's All right. um, so it'll never happen to me. <laughs> <laughs> it, yeah, it's like it's like an, a frame specific parry. Oh okay. gosh, no, do you know what? I might be wrong, so we should probably not. It's something like that, right? <laughs> it is a hard parry. <laughs> It just but, I mean, you flash actually, red in it. The, I know that when you do it. But yeah, yeah, sure. It goes red because like. Okay, say focus attacks being the kind of um, analogous uh, mechanic in, in Street Fighter Four. You choose to use a red focus attack in that. You choose to use some of your meter to, to uh, strengthen the focus attack. Whereas with this one, it's like you don't choose not to do a red power. Oh, no, you do, do actually. Sorry, mm-hmm. sorry. No, it's to do with... Um... I remembered what a red power was because I remember from the training it does it. It's something <laughs> like being in... It can't be when you're in hit stun because then you wouldn't be able to block... You might be in block stun, maybe. I was going to say, is it is it like a reversal where you it's have a to bit, be blocking? Yeah, it's a bit like okay. a oh, yeah. alpha no, it's, counter. It's actually. following, yeah, you have to block sense. the first hit of a multi-hit combo and then, and then parry. It's, it's like going from blocking sense. yeah to parrying. In, yeah, so if you could block the first one or the second, you can go from blocking to parrying. To then. Which is very yeah, hard. Yeah, that makes sense. Okay. I was going to say that makes sense because if it's just a perfect parry, it's like, well, that's not something you would choose to do that's no. just you would always infer. yeah it's, it's to go yeah, from one to the other yeah that makes more sense but you start with a block and then as the combo continues you yeah, parry yeah oh, that yeah. is a bit of a sometimes bit called of a, game a guard parry i just googled it there that would be yes. if we called it a guard parry that would have made guard <laughs> parry is what i had written and then i said red parry okay uh, so let's hear from Pitwar because he responded to the call. Street Fighter 3 came out at the height of my 2D fighter fandom. I played them all no matter who made them or what quality they were. As soon as I played Street Fighter 3, it stood head and shoulders above the rest. Street Fighter 3 to me was the first real thinking person's fighter. It had so many layers and pushed you how you played unlike games that preceded it. That's not to say it was out of bounds for the casual fighting fan, but it clearly wanted to cater for the more hard core market. Even after all these years, I still go back and play Street Fighter 3 on occasion, even though in many ways it's been eclipsed by 4 and 5, but without Street Fighter 3, I probably wouldn't have a love for the deeper aspects of fighters like I do today. Thank you, Pitwa. And our final bit of major correspondence has to come from the King Rocker. Thank you for that post this afternoon. Uh, it's been fantastic addition to this podcast. Uh, it's been a long, strange relationship with Street Fighter 3. I appreciate the game on so many levels, but the parry system broke the game in a way that I just can't really abide. 
Evo Moment 37 may be one of the hypest moments in the history of the fighting game community, but for me it also represents the worst case scenario of a broken system's exploitation. It is pretty common for people to respond with pithy remarks like get good, or even the slightly more positive adapt, but I see the parry as the fatal flaw of the Street Fighter 3 series. Hmm? Wow. Controversial. <laughs> We also have some pithy three-word reviews from Twitter. Follow us, do, at Kane and Rince. Let's start with Dan. Firstly, up from uh, Genuine Brag, too complicated headache. Uh, Riku says, Urian is bay. Uh, Rowan Carmichael, yay, Ibuki, yay. Chris Connolly, you can't escape. Timbo, beautifully animated weirdos. <laughs> Pete Haynes gives us Fighting Game Changer. Hermie says Evil Moment 37. And finally, Mehmet, or Mehmet, Passionate Parrying Paradise. Thank you, one <laughs> and all. And uh, we always like to end on a positive one. And uh, hopefully we'll do the same with our summaries as well. But let's start with James, just because I think you're probably the newest to the game. Uh, yeah, I think my my summary is going to be the least authoritative, but um, I, I did actually. Uh, Gary was talking about you know people compare fighting games to chess or you know rock paper scissors is the other is the other uh, comparison, um, and I, I do actually like the the poker analogy that that you made as well, Gary, and I think it kind of melds all of those aspects together. And I wish I was in the position where I could play with people face to face and they could kind of help me because the idea is of course you help one another get better and um, I've never been in that situation so it's always just me scratching at the surface of fighting games and there is no more kind of impenetrable to me fighting game than Street Fighter 3 um, but I think part of that is the reverence that incredibly dedicated competitive street fighter players have for this game i think that's a telling thing that this is going to be a tough game to get into um it means i'm not good at the game but it doesn't mean i don't enjoy it and don't respect uh the the ways that it moved us towards what the fighting game genre is is now um yeah it's a great game and i'm not a great game player but um, yeah that's that's my summary i guess well as i said i've been playing it badly for 20 years now uh, and I still play it and I've been back to it and enjoying it as much as ever. I would say from a purely personal, entirely subjective standpoint that the Street Fighter 3 lineage is my probably my least favourite of all five Street Fighter lineages um, although I haven't played enough five really to qualify that but um, that said I still have a thoroughly good time playing it even when it's uh, it's making me feel like a uh, a chump which it does uh, and it does when I go online and play other people and it does when I go into the arcades of Akihabara and play real people um like James I would love the opportunity to just play this locally with equally passionate people who would be willing to sit there for hours learning and being rubbish while you get better and that sort of thing but that opportunity doesn't really arrive in the absence of uh, street fighter alpha 2 coming to recent generation consoles uh, street fighter 3 third strike is absolutely something if you've still got a ps3 or 360 hooked up uh, and why wouldn't you uh, definitely worth a download i hope that the third strike online version comes to backwards compatibility for Xbox One. It might see the online community pick up again a little bit. Uh, and yeah, if you have a fighting game 
passion and collection, then, well, yeah, obviously you need Third Strike in it. Dan? Third Strike isn't my favourite Street Fighter game. I think uh, Leon, me and you probably agree on our favourite Street Fighter game. Um, mm-hmm. But I think it might be the... Now, I'm going to use a word that gets banded around on Twitter, and, and it's one of those words that infuriates me a little bit, uh, when <laughs> people are encouraging me to read something or do something because it is important. But in this case, I think Street Fighter Three is important. Um, it changed things. It, it made things... It took things to a completely different level. The animation and the 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 strategy involved and the mechanics and and even though the characters are mostly rubbish and their design is still great they still look great so i think if you have any if 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 this if you're too young which many people are to have ever really played this probably even when it was released on the online edition maybe um mm. And you oh, and you like oh, terrible, isn't it? <laughs> um, and you like fighting games or you're playing street fighter 4 or 5 or all these crazy other arc system works games play street fighter 3 sit down and just give it time right just give it the time um to just give it some time to play with your friends play the training mode on the online edition do all that and and when you try and do the parry training i know uh james i think it was you earlier said that you you gave it half an hour before you gave up parrying that uh dragon punch you're going to need to give it like five or six hours before you give up on that i'm afraid (laughs) Uh, but when you do that you'll just feel like the best player in the whole world then get into a game and you'll never be able to do it again but I think that my summary of Street Fighter 3 is that it's important uh, and I mean that in a way that I love fighting games and not being a pretentious uh, idiot trying to make you read some nonsense that I wrote. <laughs> <laughs> Got that B out of his bonnet there. Yeah, sorry, I was uh, venting there right. a little. Uh, you're, quite, you're quite welcome to do so. Uh, and let's conclude with Gary Gareth. <laughs> um, I think... Um, one of the reasons I really like Street Fighter 3 is because it represents kind of um, the conflict of interest I have in my head between my, when it comes to video games and what I like. Um, I have a huge love for games with just raw genius mechanics. And sometimes I convince myself that that's all that matters. But at this, But then this game also proves to me that the feel of a game, the art style, the attitude around it and, and, and everything that marries together around those mechanics really matters as well because I think out of all the series, in my opinion, that there's, there's no game in the series before or after that has anywhere near as strong an identity as, as the Street Fighter Three series. Hmm. Um, I could almost take a leave most of the others. There's there's nostalgia there, and there's the kind of the the archetypes that are put in place with the, the Ken and Ryu, and you think, oh, you know, that's nice. But I don't think any other game is as confident about what it is, uh, you know, in terms of identity as, as Street Fighter Three is. Um, and you know, just things like I love the that drum and bass style soundtrack and in combination with that kind of muffled those muffled samples which is more a product of mm. the technology at the time but also it adds to that identity and gives it this sort of murky mm-hmm. slightly dark underground 90s feel like a sense of cool like you could only ever play it you should only ever play it 
uh, in an arcade, in an arcade that's filled with tobacco smoke, <laughs> where you can barely <laughs> breathe. And, yeah. yeah, if that was still possible, but it 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 it, it has such a strong identity over other Street Fighter games that I just don't, I can't. They've never captured that before or since, and 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 it's hard. It's really hard. And if you if you play any other game, Street Fighter games, and you're all fighting games, and you learn those fundamentals, as I said, and you come back to this one, and you think, oh, this is just another mountain to climb. I've just reached this peak, and I've looked up, and there's another peak that's about fifty times taller than this one, and and I'm gonna get walking. But if you play fighting games, it tells you that you shouldn't worry about getting to the top you should just enjoy the journey you know it's like you'd be like Ryu basically like <laughs> you know he's he's not there to win he's there to you should always be there to find stronger opponents and, and enjoy that and then you'll enjoy fighting games and I think that's all encapsulated in, in Street Fighter 3. Wonderfully put well this has been an enormous amount of fun so at this point I Leon shall thank James and our correspondents and listeners and now Dan you have something relevant that you might want to mention to our listeners. Yes, uh Hype Spotting 6 is coming back to Glasgow. I, you know when I say Hype Spotting 6 it really surprises me that number's quite high. Um <laughs> we've done this well, six years in a row and some things before that. Versus Scotland, I don't want to take any credit for Hype Spying or Versus Scotland. Um, I put my work at Hype Spying is done generally on the weekend in the evening on the Saturday. But um, I want everyone to know about it because it's such a great time. Yeah. Um, it's the 15th and 16th of April at the Hilton Hotel in Glasgow uh, this year. And we have tournaments of ooh, Street Fighter Five, Tekken 7, Smash Brothers U, King of Fighters 14, Guilty Gear, Killer Instinct, the other Smash Brothers, Street Fighter 3 Third Strike, see, it's in there somewhere, yes. and even uh, Super Street Fighter 2 Turbo. So we don't drop games like uh, Evo. We keep them all yep. and make our lives hell by running that many <laughs> game tournaments at once. This year as well, we'll have um, a lot of arcades there. The uh, Afro's Arcade, which is uh, run by Walter Fraser, who's the, um, the sort of founder of Versus Scotland and my Third Strike mentor for sure. Um we throw switches. Uh, there's going to be some some other stuff there. There'll also be my hype spotting pub quiz, which is on the Saturday night, uh, which is really where I do my work is is to get drunk and do a quiz. Um, but it's all great like fun. The that. And the the fact that it's in Glasgow, it's not hard to get to Glasgow. People come from all over the country and all over the world to come to hype spotting, and they love it. I would encourage you to just take that chance. Right? There's a million hotels in Glasgow. Come along. Even if you're just watching or you just want to join one tournament, it's such a great time. It's such a great atmosphere. I love doing it, and the team that run it are amazing. And then you get to come to my pub quiz as well if you want. Uh, that's your own thing. But, um, that all sounds incredibly tempting. It's so good. Leon, if you want to come to Hype Spying, you can sleep in my flat, and I'll buy you a ticket for you. Whoa, okay. April, you say? April 15th um, and 16th. There's an offer for you. I'm checking my calendar, Dan. That would be awesome. Yeah, yeah. just uh, Dan, do yourself a favor. Don't let Leon take part in the pub quiz. No, actually, Leon <laughs> would be like my like nemesis in the pub quiz, wouldn't you? God. Could be. Well, actually, no, I don't. I don't want the big build-up. Ah, okay, I'll give you the answer. Don't worry. <laughs> actually, if you're staying in mine, we'll probably be writing it on Friday night. So, um, <laughs> yeah, that, that would work. I'll, I'll be guest host if you want. Right, uh, and Gareth, uh, you have, have you got any fighting game community stuff or other stuff that you'd like to um, tell our listeners about? 
I'm just trying to think of a relevant plug. I wrote a thing on Waypoint recently about Ooh. why Street Fighter is the world's smallest esport and why that's okay. That was a, that was a couple of months ago, but go and look that up. That sounds um, good. It was a really great read. Oh, thank you, thank you. Um, as for the world's least appropriately placed plug, um, fans of fans of you know deep fighting game systems also love everybody's gone to the rapture i'm sure and uh <laughs> i <laughs> well i do um and uh recently i my other thing i do is called making games is fun and it's uh my interviews with devs about more about them as human beings because no one ever asks devs what it's like to be a human being making games and whether they're scared or happy or sad um i'll quote uh, my friend Chris Ban, who who said that it was like uh, the comedian's comedian podcast, but for games, and I, I thought it was very nice. Mm. Not my words. <laughs> um, <laughs> and uh, and recently, I interviewed Jessica Curry and Dan Pinchbeck of the Chinese Room, and it's a really good, fun. It's kind of fun. It's interesting. It's quite uh, insightful. It's quite personal, um, and I was really happy with it. So if you go to at making games is fun, just one G in that, because you can't fit them both in on the Twitter handle, um, you can take it from there and find that and more podcasts with devs. Fantastic. Uh, yeah, and well, needless to say, I count me, James, and uh, I'm sure many of our other listeners as people who love both Third Third Strike and Everybody's Gone to the Rapture and uh, <laughs> Kane and Rince is very much... Uh, yeah, all about all the genres and all the platforms and all that sort of thing. So, yeah, that's been fantastic fun. And listeners, next time in issue 255, two years on from its release, we get ready at dawn and obey the order, 1886. <laughs> It's a long shot, it'll never happen Don't put your money on that as they laughing I know I'm up against the best But we fighting in the streets Left, right, right, left Don't want it This is what I live for right here You think I go for it's a light split Like I don't know what this life is yeah. Think again cause I want no hype is Never what they painted up to be And the underdog is evidently yeah. The one who got more to win I'ma make it taste the brown Here's my high school kid You know what they say The third strike is what counts You know hey, you can get it too Don't think
resurrection. You know what they say, the third strike is what counts. You know, hey, you can get it too. Don't think that I can't knock you out. I'm out. Knock you out. Knock, knock you out. Oh, fuck.